Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rip. Thank you for being sensitive to the Holy Spirit today. Thank you for leading us in prayer so well. That's just a blessing. We, you don't, we don't realize the blessing that we have in Pastor Rip, that the fact that he's here with us and just so willing to share. So thank you. Thanks for being here today. And um, uh, just a couple quick announcements. Uh, for those that are being water baptized next Sunday, uh, there's a number of you here. I'd like to meet just for a couple minutes, just at the front of the church, right after the service. I, want to, I have a handout I want to give to you all that kind of explains what we're doing next week and how you should be prepared to come and be a part of it. So just meet, meet me just for a couple minutes right after service, and I'll give you this handout, and we'll talk briefly. So today I want to continue to talk in, in Matthew, and uh, as we're preparing ourselves to go into the study of Jesus' parables, I believe there's some truths we need to uncover in the process of getting there. So today we're talking about one of these, another fundamental principle in walking out a successful Christian life. You know, it's my goal for me personally to live out a successful Christian life. And the key word is successful, because many people walk out what they would deem a Christian life, but I'm not so sure it's successful. So my goal is to be having success in my Christian life and also as a pastor to teach what it means to be successful in your life. So you can walk out of here as well, um, having that same level of truth and that same level of of success. You know, there, there are many versions of truth taught today. And, um, and according to what the Bible says, there's only one truth. You know, Jesus talked about that. He, he talked about that in the Gospel of John, that he was comforting his disciples because he was just getting ready to leave them. And um, he was going to tell them, he was talking to them, that he's going to prepare a place for them. And where he's going, he's going to come back and take them there. And Thomas asked a very interesting question. And maybe it's a question that many people still have today. But he said, Jesus, I know you're going someplace, but how do we know how to get where you're going? We don't know where you're going. And so Jesus says this. He says, I, he answered it in John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that may not have given Thomas the exact answer to say, okay, go two miles down the road here and take a right at the big tree, then go another mile and a half. You know, it's not that kind of a direction. But what Jesus is saying is that if you want to go, if you want to go where I, come where I am later, the only way to get there is through my Father. And I am the only way to take you to my Father. There's no other truths out there. That's so important that we recognize that because this defines... The life of every believer, every successful Christian comes to that understanding through the truth of Jesus Christ. And he will lead us to the Father in heaven. So with that said, let's jump into our text this morning. And we're going to cover some more text, some more truth. John, Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 7 through 12. I know it's kind of small. You can turn in your Bible if you'd like to. Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks 
for a for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you have have them do to, do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father, help us today to understand what it means to ask, seek, and knock. Help us to understand what it means to pray in a sense of expectation. Help us, Lord, to know what it means to have the answers that come maybe in a way that we're not looking for them in. Lord, that's just the way you are. You're so good, and you're so merciful, and you're so graceful that you always answer. Help us to understand your answers. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, this passage ends up telling us the golden rule that some have come to know it as, but that golden rule is to do unto others as you would have done to you, as, have them, as how you would have them to treat you, treat others first. And I think that's good. I think we've all heard that. Maybe your mom and your dad have said that to you once or twice in your life or somebody else. But basically, Jesus here is talking about being good, being good to people. Treating people with love and respect. And I know that's not what we're going to focus on today, but I didn't want that to slip out. I didn't want us to skip over that today because that's a very, very good principle because that helps us then to lead the life of being a successful Christian when I recognize how important it is how I treat people. Because how I treat people becomes my testimony. How I treat people will determine if I'm a hypocrite. Or not, And we know that the world thinks that the church is full of hypocrites. So that comes because we don't treat people well. We don't love people well. So let's not skip over this as just something that's just a by-thought. No, this is very important that we're to treat people as we would have people treat us, as we would have the way Jesus treats us. So that's a very important point that I wanted to make here. But I want to go back to the beginning of our text and read it again. This time I want to read it in a New Living Translation because it gives a little more clarity on the urgency and the persistence of the matter of asking. The New Living Translation says of Matthew 7 and 8, it says, keep on asking, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Do you see the key words here? Is not just asking, seeking and knocking, but it's to keep on asking. It's to keep on, it's that persistence. This is a very, overall this is a very widely quoted passage. I think many people know this passage. If you've been in the church at all, you've heard this spoken about. But I think it's a very much misunderstood passage too. Because Jesus is encouraging us to do something here that we don't really like to do. What I'm talking about today is developing um, a perseverance in our prayer that is best defined as an act of patience in prayer. Now that doesn't sound right, does it? Active patience. I mean, we think of patience as being a time of inactivity. That if I'm going to be patient, I'm just going to go sit in a corner and wait. 
I'm going to go under a tree out there. I'm just going to wait. Well, that's kind of part of it. But I know that active patience is something that maybe is a little bit strange to us. Let me give you an example. People like commotion. We like activity. We don't like this. We're not comfortable in this awkward, quiet time. Even when we're in church, you know, between the time of worship, moving into a time of prayer, sometimes there's an awkward silence, and it makes people a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. But it's in that time of inactivity, God is working greatly. You know, when I was a, when I'm driving, I'm a pretty impatient person. I'm, an, I'm a really nice guy outside of the car, but get me in the car, and sometimes my personality changes. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I mean, when I was, especially when I was in Detroit, driving in the heavy traffic down there, whenever I would come up on a traffic jam, I would always look for a way around it. I was never comfortable just sitting and waiting. And so I would actively look for a way to get around the traffic jam. And so um, I would find my shortcut. Most of the time, it ended up being a long cut. <laughs> because um, I may have to go a lot of miles to get around that traffic jam, but it made me feel good because I was moving. I may have to go backwards, and I may have to go to the left or the right, but I, at least I was moving, and I felt like I was accomplishing something. Um, more than likely, most times it worked out that I would have been better off just sitting still and waiting, and I will get to my destination just as fast or faster. And sometimes that's the way we are with God. Sometimes when we are in that quiet, active waiting time with God, it gets uncomfortable, and that silence that we're in is just unbearable. It's so loud. And so we look for another way around it. We're not comfortable sitting in that time of active patience. But I think that's what God wants us sometimes. He wants us to sit still and listen. Know that he's working even when we don't always know it. You see, it's in our perseverance and our prayers that recognize that we're not begging God. When you keep on asking, you keep on seeking, you keep on knocking, knocking, it's not an attitude of begging, you know, because that becomes a very impersonal way of thinking of God. I mean, that's putting God as that mean, hard taskmaster God that we have to beg to get his attention. And that's not at all what Jesus is saying here. That's a totally wrong perspective. We're not coming as a pauper. We're not coming as a beggar. We're coming as a child of God. Recognize who we are in Christ. Recognize who you are in Jesus Christ. And then that will give you an, a different appreciation for what this means because we are adopted. We are joint heirs with Christ. So when I come into the presence of God and I ask him, I'm not asking him as a beggar. I'm asking him as a child. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17 it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So, if you, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Rather, you received a spirit of God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. See, there's a difference here. 
Before you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you were a loved creation. But when you accept Jesus as your Savior, now you are a loved son or daughter because you are adopted into the family of God. So now you really are a child of God. That's different than a creation of God because now you're accepted into the family. Continue on. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. We're joint heirs with Jesus. That means we have the same rights to come to the Father as Jesus does. As an adopted child, you have the same rights as a natural child. Don't forget that. So when you come into the presence of God and you're asking him, you're coming in as a child of God and you're asking like you would ask your heavenly father. But this is also a great time for us to recognize that as a loving father on earth, God also sees things that we don't see. What does that mean? It means that in God's vision, he sees a bigger picture than what we can see. We come to him with our desires. We come to him with our wants. Which, what, what, and we think quite often that those are our needs. <laughs> but sometimes we get our needs and our wants confused. Do you know what I'm talking about? And the reality is that when we come to God that way, he looks at us as a child and he says, I hear you. I hear you. And I'm going to answer you. But I'm going to answer you with what I know is best for you. And so as a child, we may look at that and say, well, that's not what I want. I'm spoiled. <laughs> I want what I want. And so sometimes God has given us an answer, and because we're looking at it from a different perspective than what God sees, that we're not always seeing his answer as what it is. Does it make sense? We'll come back to that. I want to stop here and think, and I want to say this. Sometimes teachings like this can be difficult because sometimes we, as a pastor or as a teacher, we can become concerned about the difficulty of the passage so we can dumb it down and we can oversimplify it. And by doing that, we basically take the power out of the God's word. All right? So that's one thing we can do is we can just we can make it too easy to, and dumb it down too much. Or we can get revved up in our own self up here and we can make it so high and lofty and so spiritual that, quite honestly, nobody can attain it. So I think it's really important that, we need, that I need to understand, that we need to keep a proper focus. What we're teaching is the truth of God's word and so we don't want to take the meat out of it. We don't want to take the power out of it. At the same time, I don't want to make it so spiritual and lofty sounding that you think, well, I never can attain it. We, want, we, need to prop, we need to place the proper level of challenge so that it does push us out of our comfort zone, but yet it doesn't take us so far that we just give up. So what that means is that we need to know more what Jesus is saying. What is, really, what is Jesus really saying? What's he really meaning when he says, ask, seek, and knock, from a way that we can attain it? Not so high and lofty and not so watered down. But what's he really saying? Asking here 
means that we recognize our need. We recognize our need. We admit the fact that we need something. That's sometimes the hardest thing for men to do, or women, to recognize that we actually need something. All right? So when I'm asking, I'm recognizing my need, and then we ask God to meet it. And then we trust God that he hears our prayers and he is in the process of answering it. So asking is a way that we recognize our need, we present it to God, and then we know that he is in the process of answering. Seeking means that our request is earnest and that we are willing to obey God and pursue his purposes when he responds with an answer. So seeking goes beyond asking. Seeking now means that I'm really serious about it, God. I've just asked the first time, but now when I start seeking, I'm serious now, God. I'm really serious about I need to know an answer. I need to know your will in the matter. I need this healing. I need this. I need that, whatever. But it's, a, it's an intentional pursuit of God. More intense than just asking. And then knocking means that we keep bringing the request to God even when we don't think he hears us. Because maybe sometimes we think that, God, you're not responding quick enough. But knocking is that persistence of banging on the door. Come on, God. I'm, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm angry or whatever. And you're banging on the door. You're knocking. And, and it's okay to be passionate in this. It's okay to let God know how you feel about something. Recognize how big God is and how little you are. And that I can, you and I can bang on God all we want. And to him, we're like a loving ant. <laughs> I, I mean, we're just so small compared to God that he's not afraid of our anger. Not afraid of your persistence. Not afraid of my frustration. Sometimes knocking is a sense of frustration. But when I do all these, when I put all these three together, asking, asking seeking, and knocking, this all results in an act of patience that's being developed in my life. It's a way that I pray in a continual process that brings me into a desire, a closer desire, a more intense desire to have a relationship with Jesus. And it's okay to show our passion. And it's okay to show my desperation. It's okay for him to know that I'm really serious about this need that I have in my life. And, I, and I'm going to keep bringing it up. Patience. Patience is one of those words we don't like. We don't like to be patient. Because it, come, it, it, it brings a word that we don't like called submission and surrender. But patience, patience, hear me, patience is a virtue something that we must develop in our life. And this, this, act of, this act of patience is not a lack of faith. It, it doesn't mean that, that I'm, because I have to keep on asking and seeking and knocking, that I have any lack of faith in my life. And that, that doesn't mean it at all. What, it, what it's really doing, it's, it's proving that we are recognizing that Jesus is our source, that our only source of answer is God, that I can't find a shortcut around this one. I can't get around this roadblock because I'm hemmed in on all sides. So my only source is God, and it's helping me keep my priorities on God. 
It's helping me recognize that he is the only thing that will get me out of this problem or the only thing that will deliver me or the only thing that I need in life. And when I think about that, I think about Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you as well. What are all these things? The verses preceding this, Jesus was talking about how all people, Gentiles, Jews, sinners, everybody are seeking to get things. And God, Jesus is saying, yes, I will give you those things, but first and foremost, seek me. Seek me. And not only will I give you what you need, but you will appreciate what I'm giving you more than you if you got it on your own. Seek me with all your heart. Seeking God's purposes in his kingdom is vitally important because as we seek him, it puts our, our issues in a minor comparison form from what who God is. As I seek him, it puts his purposes bigger than my purposes. When I seek his kingdom first and I give him my first priorities, it's letting me, it's letting me know that I'm not resting upon my own abilities. Because I don't have many abilities, quite honestly. When I come right down, down to it, I, I can't do a whole lot. It's only when I trust God and I seek him first. It's given me a source of confidence that as I approach God in prayer like this, that my priorities are lining up with his purposes. And the more that my line up, my priorities line up with his priorities, guess what happens? Answers start to come. Prayer now becomes more meaningful because I'm seeing things the way God sees things. And I do that only when I seek him first. First John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Let's read this slowly again. That if we ask anything, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds like a kid in a candy store. God, I, Dad, I see that piece of candy over there, so I'm going to ask you for it. And because I've asked you, you've got to give it to me. Because I'm your child, and you're my dad, and I want that Snickers bar. And, uh, or I want that Reese's peanut I, I like Reese's peanut butter cups. I love them, actually. But that, just because I asked him that way, does that mean he has to give it to me? What, what were the key? I, I left out, I... I lined out four very important words here. What did we leave out? According to his will. So let's read that again. That if we ask anything, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have what we've asked him of. Those four words according to his will make the difference in our prayers. Because if I pray according to my will, I'm just praying my wish list. I might as well just fill out my Santa Claus list and mail it to the North Pole. 
Because there's no promise given that way when I'm praying just my will. That's why the relationship with God is so important. Because the closer I get in relationship with God, the more I will automatically line up with his will. A commentary says this, Our prayers, as our lives, are effective in accomplishing God's purposes only if they are fully submitted to and tuned in with God his word, and his will for our lives. When we pray, we are to focus on who God is and what he can accomplish through our lives if we are in right relationship with him. Praying with such awareness will increase our faith and dependence on God. As we grow deeper in relationship with God and better understand his character, we will better, under, we will better understand his desires and purposes for us as well. The key there is that we, we understand God's desires for us. And we understand that the closer we get in relationship with him. Now, sometimes it's very obvious what God's will is in a particular situation. Sometimes it's obvious to pray a certain way because we know God's will. It's very obvious to us. And so we can pray that way when we can pray confidently. And I wish it was that way all the time. But there are other times it's not so easy maybe to know God's will. So I have to spend a little time here. It, it, this may require more intensity, more intentionality, more consistency in prayer when I'm seeking and asking God on his will in the matter. And this is where our faith can be tested. And when our faith is tested, it helps us grow in our relationship with God as we keep our active patience alive. What do I mean by that? What do you think, why do you think it takes time? Why does God take his time sometimes answering our prayers? Do you ever think about that? God, why? Why are you waiting so long? Is God not wanting you to share his, not wanting to share his will with you? Is he being kind of a seek and hide God? No, I don't, I don't think that. I, I think God wants us to know his will. But why is there a delay? This is where I have to be careful. This is where you have to hear me carefully what I'm going to say now. Because I'm not trying to bring any shame or condemnation on any of us. But all I can say is that the delay that God has is not on his end. It's on my end. If I'm having a problem finding the will of God, it's not because God doesn't want to show it or share it with me. It's because something within me is not ready to receive. Or maybe I'm not watching. Maybe God is sharing his will with me and it's not what I want. So I miss it. Maybe I'm thinking, God, I, maybe I have my own intention. Maybe I have my own agenda. And I want God to answer me the way I want him to answer me. If he answers me that way, well, then it's obviously God's will. But if he answers me another way, well, then, God, you're not answering my questions the right way. That was what Jonah was guilty of. Remember Jonah and the whale? Ever, remember that story? God said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. And, God, and Jonah says, no, no, God, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I'm going to go over here. He went over there, and we all know the hap what happened. The big storm came up. He was thrown off the boat, and the big fish swallowed him up. I know that sounds unbelievable, but it happened. 
Maybe in this waiting, God is using this to test and strengthen our faith. Remember Job? Remember Job in a test that he went through? He did nothing wrong. He was not an evil man, but God tested Job. We don't like to think of that, do we? What about when Satan wanted to sift Peter as wheat? This was on the night that Jesus was going to be crucified or the night of his betrayal. And uh, Peter was very bold to step up and say, I'll die with you. I'll do whatever I can to die with you, to live with you, Jesus. Nobody's going to take you away from me. And Jesus warned him and he said, no, Peter. He said, Satan has shown me and I've realized that Satan wants to test you. He wants to sift you tonight. That wasn't because Peter was a bad guy. It was because Jesus knew that as he was going to be sifted by Satan, that when he would be restored back into relationship, then he said in Luke chapter 22, verse 32, he says, Peter, I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, this is the key, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus allowed Peter to be, to be sifted, not just for Peter's benefit, but also to come back stronger to strengthen his brothers. So sometimes maybe the delay in our prayers is, God, we want to seek deeper, not just for ourselves, because, but when I get the answer, then I can come back and I can help others in their answers. Does that make sense? And here's another issue that we need to really think about. Maybe we have some hindering issues that are preventing us from seeing it. Hmm. Understand what I'm saying here. That there are some things that can happen in our life that are not sin, yet they're hindering us from getting fully what God wants us to have. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. The hindrances and the sin are different. Clearly, sin will entangle us easily, but hindrances will as well. So as we throw off everything, then we can run the race with perseverance marked out for us. We can fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Then we can then start moving into that relationship. But the writer tells us to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and trips us up in our race. Do you see issues in your life that may be hindering you? and your ability to keep your eyes focused on Jesus? Are those things that maybe are getting in the way? It's, in, it's important that we uncover and that we deal with these hindrances. And it will not only help us in the moment, but it will free us to run the race of the rest of our lives as we keep our eyes on Jesus. This is the secret to living a successful life, a successful Christian life keeping our eyes focused on Christ. That means we have to dig deep. We need to go in hard so on ourselves sometimes and say, Father, are there things that are hidden in me that are hindering me from having the relationship with you that I need to have so that I can understand your will in this situation? God is faithful, and he promises to answer every prayer offered in true faith. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. Christ, as the Son, 
in charge of God's entire house. Nothing outside of God's control here. He's given it to Christ, Jesus Christ. And we are God's house if we keep our courage and remain confident in our hope of Christ. So the reality is that we need to do, we need to take responsibility for some of the things in our life. If we're going to hear God's, God's answers as we ask, seek, and knock, we have to do some personal evaluation. Jackie, if you would come as we wrap up today. The key to this kind of persistent prayer is in the relationship. The key to our prayer life is in our relationship life. Let me say that again. The key to our prayer life is in our relationship life. If I don't have a good relationship, then how can I ask? Again, I'm not trying to make this too lofty. I'm not trying to make this too spiritual. It's just the truth. If I don't have a good relationship with my heavenly father, I'm sorry, with my earthly father, it's hard to go to my earthly father if I don't have a good relationship with him and ask for anything, right? If I don't have a good relationship with Rip, I can't go to Pastor Rip and say, hey, Pastor Rip, will you help me out? See, relationship is so important. When I have a good relationship with Pastor Rip, I can go to him and know and trust him like a brother that he's going to have my back. This is not too lofty. This is reality of life. This is the truth of God's word. The key to kind, this kind of persistent relationship or this prayer is the relationship that it not only involves, but it, it, but it results in. This results in a closer, the more I seek him, the more I, I, I desire Christ, my relationship will get stronger. And the stronger my relationship comes with him, the closer and the more consistent and the more readily I'll understand his will. Does that make sense? Because the more I study him, the more I pray, the more I get involved, the, the easier it is for me to understand what his purposes are. We also can learn to be content in the situations we find ourselves in. Sometimes we are impatient and we're not contented, not because God isn't providing, but because we just don't want to be content. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? We're anxious and we want to be anxious. And then we learn more about its our relationship with God, our Father, than it is about what we can get out of Him. If I'm going to God to see how much I can get out of Him, then I really don't have a relationship with Him. If I'm going to say, God, I just want You, and that's the most important thing, that I'm seeking You first, then I can learn to be contented in what He gives me. And then when He gives me that, then He'll say, okay, I'll give you a little bit more because you're content with what I've given you already. I'll give you a little bit more. And I'll give you a little bit more. And I'll just fulfill you. I'll fill you up. God is faithful. And He always answers His prayers. I want you to know that. God always answers His prayers. So if you find your prayers today that are seemingly unanswered, maybe you should just take a look at some things. Look at your prayer time. What are you doing in your prayer time? Is your life honoring him? Are you lining up with God's word? Are you staying in the attitude of prayer long enough 
to hear him. Sometimes our prayer time is just us telling God what we want, and then he's getting ready to answer, and we walk out the door. So sometimes prayer time is not telling God what we want. Maybe sometimes prayer time is sitting and listening to what he wants to tell us. He already knows what we want, but maybe we, maybe we just need to sit and listen. And then are you looking for the right answers? See, sometimes we're, the, we're looking for the answers that we want and possibly missing the answers that God has given. All of this takes your own personal devotion. I can't do this for you. I can't get into your life and make your life right this way. This is where we personally have to take responsibility. And again, I'm not making this super lofty. I'm just making it real. I just want to bring in an offer to what God's asking us to do first. And you know, I know that we're all at different levels of our spiritual maturity. And I know that we're all different places. I'm a pastor. It's easy for me. It's my job to come in and pray. So I come into church on a regular basis and pray. But, you know, and I know that you are at different places. You know, if you're in childbearing years and you're raising children, I know how busy you are. If you're retired, you may have a little bit more time. See, and God understands that too. He understands where you're at. So I'm not trying to put my my level of prayer or somebody else's level of prayer on you. You just pray what you can do, how you can do it in the time that you have and the allotment that you have, but make it your first priority. Don't wait till it's end of the day. Don't wait till if you have time left over, you'll pray. No, make it your first priority. Seek him first. Ask, seek, and knock first. And when you ask, seek, and knock, be mindful and intentional to listen. Accept God's answers, answer for what it is. And then get to work. Put his, put his answers into action. And then watch him work more. It's a good thing. He's a good God. And he wants to answer your prayers. We just have to line up in relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I know that this is a, uh, a tough topic sometimes because many times we, we ask and we seek and we knock and we still don't get the answers that we think we want. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand exactly what it is that we're to be looking for. Help us to be content in the situations that we're in, even if they're difficult ones, even if they're hard ones. Help us to know that you have so much more in store for us as we seek you. And as our relationship gets stronger and stronger and stronger with you and closer and closer, that it's not about us getting more out of you. It's about us getting more of you. And we get more of you in our lives and we're content there because we know that's where our answers come from. So I pray, Father, that you just help us to really love you for who you are. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Jackie, would you lead us in song? Stand with me if you would, please. Let's, let's worship one more time.
Now listen, um, as you go today, you know, we had an opportunity for those that wanted to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that was great. But you still have that opportunity. You don't have to be in a church service. I know some people that have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as they were driving out to church. I know one lady that was testimony that she got the, she received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the shower. It doesn't make any difference where you're at as long as you're asking and seeking. So I want to continue to keep seeking. Keep asking. And if you have your heavenly prayer language, you keep praying in it. So powerful. So you've missed nothing today. You haven't missed out. This wasn't a one-time and offer, one-time and done. No, no, no. You have an opportunity continuously to exercise in it and to believe in it and to keep asking. Keep asking. And I promise you, he will give it to you. He will give you the gift. Amen? Let's pray one more time. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your mercies and your grace. We thank you the way you love us. We thank you how you give good gifts to your children. And we are your children. And so, Father, we are expecting and, and, and expecting a deeper relationship from you. Not that we just want the gifts, but we want you. And as we get more of you, you will just give us gifts. And we thank you for showering the gifts of answered prayers, of miracles, God, of healings and deliverances. We know that's your will, and we receive that in Jesus' name. Bless us as we go. Keep us safe until we come back again. Help us to chew on this message throughout this week. Continue to lead us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Be blessed today.